Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about that coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you weekly author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest upcoming cozy mystery releases. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. Hello, friends, and welcome to Get Cozy Podcast. I am so, so excited about today's show because we have a very special guest with us, author Kate Lansing. Kate is the author of the Colorado Wine Mysteries, the most recent of which, Mold to Death, just came out in October. Kate is an award-winning short story author and lives in Denver, Colorado, with her husband, daughter, and chair-napping tabby cat named Maple. So welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And I just love that you're doing this podcast. So this is great. Oh, thank you. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on the show today is not only because you're one of my very favorite cozy mystery authors, um, but your novel Killer Chardonnay is actually the first cozy I ever read. It's what got me hooked on the genre uh, back in 2020, and I've literally read hundreds of cozies since then. So really, I have you to thank not only for my new reading passion, but for this podcast. Oh, that's incredible. That makes me so happy to hear. And I'm, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad that it was a good introduction to the genre because it's it's such a fun um, little sweet subgenre. And I'm just, uh, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And I do recommend your book for people that are like thinking about getting into cozies, um, or maybe have just barely started reading cozies there. It's kind of like the perfect combination of like, romance and thriller. Um, And it's, it's also a good crossover for readers of YA. So I think it's a great starting point for the genre. And it was a great point for me to start. So thank you. Oh, of course. Well, thank you. That yeah. seriously, it makes it just makes my day hearing hearing that. So, <laughs> of course. So today we're going to be discussing millennial cozy mysteries, what they are, what makes them unique, and some millennial cozies that we each recommend. Um, but before we dive into all of that, Kate, do you want to start by telling our listeners what the Colorado Wine Mysteries are about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Colorado Wine Mystery Series follows a new winery owner named Parker Valentine as she achieves this dream she's harbored for a long time and opens her own winery in Boulder, Colorado, uh, where, of course, she is uh, unfortunately pairing murder with her wine, (laughs) it seems. (laughs) So she's always getting sucked into these crimes. (laughs) I like um, that tagline, pairing murder with your wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All about the puns, right? You got to yep. them in wherever you can. <laughs> yep, absolutely. We love our, our puns here in the Cozy Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And can you tell us, Parker Valentine fans, if we can expect more books in the series? Yes, I am so excited. I can because I'm working on book four right now. And uh, the title is Till Death Do Us Port. Uh. Um, (laughs) Gotta love, again, those puns, especially in cozy titles. Um, And it's going to be coming out next fall. So fall 2022. Next fall. We'll definitely be looking forward to that. I love that title. (laughs) 
Um, and just uh, so our listeners know all of the titles for Kate's book in the series so far, mm-hmm. she's got Killer Chardonnay is book one, A Pairing mm-hmm. to Die For is book two, and Mold to Death is book three. So yeah, just all wonderfully punny titles. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to come up with, cozy mystery titles. I just love it. It's so fun to brainstorm. <laughs> oh, I bet. So have you uh, come up with those titles yourself or was that like a collaboration with you in the publishing house? So the first three were uh, me and I'm kind of shocked that they stuck as they did. Um, Although I was really pleased that they, you know, made it all the way through and to the final book. And then the fourth one, my editor and I kind of worked together and tossed some ideas back and forth, which is really, really fun when you're emailing back, like, what about this? No, what about this? And then we slowly both kind of circled in and honed in on um, till death do us pour. And we're like, that's it. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. So there are so many fun subgenres of cozies from culinary to library to coffee to, of course, wine. Um, but a subgenre that I just recently started hearing buzz about in the past year is the millennial cozy. And funnily enough, it was actually in a conversation about Killer Chardonnay that I first heard that term. So how would you define a millennial cozy? I think millennial cozies are cozy mysteries that appeal to a younger audience like millennials. You know, I think traditionally cozy mysteries, um, you know, when you, I think when people hear that who aren't super familiar with the genre, they sort of think of the older woman snooping around in a knitting club, you know, cats, (laughs) things like that. And now the cats are still there in the millennial cozies. I will have, you know, we, we love our pets and cozies regardless of what (laughs) audience is is reading. But I think that the millennial ones have a few um, cool new elements and I've been seeing more and more of them coming out in the last few years. And it's been really, really fun because uh, I'm a millennial and I was craving I love cozy mysteries. I grew up reading them like Agatha Christie and just, you know, a whole bunch and watching murder she wrote with my mom. And so eventually I wanted to read books that featured, you know, sleuths um, that were a little bit younger, maybe a little hipper and Mm -hmm. it's been fun to see. And so I think some, some uh, elements of millennial cozies are like a younger amateur sleuth, you know, maybe twenties or um, lower thirties or somewhere in there, just slightly younger. Uh, I think that social media is something that I see cropping up more. And it's been really cool because, you know, these amateur sleuths, of course, they're going to leverage everything they can. They're going to be resourceful as we would today. We would look up somebody's Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. profile <laughs> if we were thrust in that situation. And so it's been kind of fun to see more social media leveraged. Um, and then, you know, I think just there are some things crop. I, I appreciate in millennial cozies too, when um, authors incorporate issues that that our demographic sort of cares about, you know, while mm-hmm. keeping it cozy. But um, that, and then voice is always key, right? So including slang or snappy, fresh ways to say say things, um, uh-huh. I think is another another element. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. Um, As much fun as uh, the octogenarian cozies are, and I love reading those as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Got our Miss Marples and our Jessica Fletchers, Mm -hmm. but it is really fun to see some new protagonists, um, some younger protagonists, and also see a lot more readers coming into the genre and having a broader readership um, than there was before. 
And also, uh, like you said, with the voice, the importance of the slang, we also are seeing a lot more diverse voices mm-hmm. uh, in the millennial cozies as well, which is really exciting. Absolutely. I've loved to see that. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, that I think that helps broaden the range, range of readership. And it is so cool. I love, yeah, the yeah. diversity and, and the voices and in the cast of characters. And it's just, it's so important. And yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely. So I recently reread the Colorado Wine Mysteries in preparation for this interview. And um, I do definitely think these books will appeal to readers of all ages. Um, But I did notice a lot of language choices like you're talking about with the voice that are very specific to the millennial generation. So in Mold to Death, uh, the characters say things like ghosted, hipster wardrobes, and game relationships. And then you mentioned how millennials have an aversion to telephones. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, as a millennial myself, I was like, yep, absolutely. And I found those references just hilarious and uh, very relatable. Um, and I do just feel like this series is like the quintessential millennial cozy so was that a deliberate choice you made when you set out or did that just happen organically because you're a millennial yourself a little bit of both you know I there's always that writing tip of um write what you want to read Uh and I was uh really wanting to read some cozies that were maybe a little bit edgier a little bit more geared towards my age and this was again like I started writing years ago and so (laughs) even um you know, and I was just craving that. And so I did set out to write on purpose, um, a cozy mystery series that would appeal to, you know, uh, somebody like my age, you know, what I was wanting. But then as I've gone through this series, I do make more, um, and it does come up organically, though, as well, because I, I tend to talk in, I mean, I'm very authentic, sometimes, Mm -hmm. like the voice that comes natural, because I am a millennial, and the aversion to telephones, it's such a natural thing. And I, well, Parker would have that, you know, (laughs) it's kind of, (laughs) um, not just me. Uh, But it does crop up organically, too. Although there are some times like in mauled to death, you know, I remember specifically, trying to like her best friend stage wouldn't just be saying, hey, what's going on? There's got to be a sharper way to say that that would make it sound a little bit younger and fresher and so it's like hey spill the tea you know like I try and think of what are some phrases that we're using right now that um, do that so I do intentionally put more of that in just because I think it's fun it's fun and and as a millennial it's just it's very fun to read um, because it feels like you're chatting with your with your friend group Mm -hmm. oh good yeah that was kind of the goal you know I think cozies we want that um, escape. And I think part of it is you want to feel like you're settling down and chatting with your book club or close friends. And I wanted to show some of that in, in the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad. Yeah. I <laughs> so there's another quote in mold to death that felt like just such a millennial thing to say that I have to mention it. Um, Parker says, I try to shake, shake off what I just witnessed, shake off everything that's transpired in the last hour. I'm not nearly as successful as Taylor Swift. And I just started laughing out loud when I read that. Um, So I have to ask, are you a fellow Swifty? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I love Taylor Swift. She's so brilliant, right? She (laughs) She, is. uh, I I love how she's, uh, her music has grown with her. And I just admire Mm -hmm. her so much. 
And, you know, um, folklore came out last summer when I was writing Malta Death and I was listening to that a lot because it was just so, that was so melancholy. And I just, I love uh-huh. those, that mood. Anyway, yeah, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan and I love her, the stories she manages to tell in a single song. It's just, yes. it's amazing. <laughs> That's what I always say to you because I am also a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, and whenever people ask me about it, I'm like, it's because her songs are all narratives like they all Mm -hmm. have a story so as somebody that loves stories it's very easy to love taylor swift's songs um and yeah folklore uh the vibe of that has been very fun in the past year i think uh the lakes is my favorite song right now that's the one that i've been playing on repeat so but it changes based on mood oh yeah totally well and I am, as a mystery writer and mystery lover, I just want to read an entire book based on no body, no crime. Yes. I, I want somebody to write that book. So oh, I, <laughs> I will agree. Read, I will read it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Me and my husband just went on a road trip recently and we were listening to that album and that song came on and my husband, I talk about cozy mystery so much. He's like, this sounds like a cozy mystery. I'm like, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some books you consider to be millennial cozy mysteries that you would recommend to readers? Yeah. And so, um, and there's a lot out there. I'll try and <laughs> try and narrow it down. You know, one that there's a few I want to mention, which is um, Fresh Brewed Murder by Emmeline Duncan. Yeah, is uh, it's great. That one fresh as in the title, but that takes place in Portland and she did a great job of capturing the vibe. And that was one where I thought she the author did such a great job of interweaving some more serious topics like runaways and homelessness, but in a way that still felt cozy, but it felt very, again, very relevant to um, to re- the real world. And I just I and it's a younger protagonist and she has a coffee cart. And it just, it, it was, it's a good one. Um, I also love uh, Olivia Black's. I think they're called the Brooklyn Mysteries, but there's killer content and no memes of escape. No, <laughs> no memes of escape has to be one of like the best punny <laughs> titles. It's so um, great. <laughs> and that one features a really young protagonist, like young 20s, trying to find her place in the world, which is something I feel like is just so important for um for that age group. And then also, of course, the inclusion of all social media, the hashtags and mm-hmm. memes. And so that's a good one. Um, but uh, let's see, Arsenic and Adobo by Mia Mansala is another great one. And talk about voice. I mean, that one gets you from the first opening sentence. And it's just, it's a good, um, good, fun mystery. And it will make you hungry. So fair warning. <laughs> <laughs> I love books that make me hungry, though. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, these are a couple older ones, but um, Lindy Walker's uh, Headlines and High Heels series is the one that I read years ago when I was first dipping my toe into writing. And I thought, man, this cozy feels kind of edgy. And it features a newspaper reporter who is reporting on crime, which gives her this very natural agency that I always appreciated. Um and then, of course, there's also the Detective by Day series by Kelly Garrett, which is uh, very, also really fun. That one takes place in L.A. Um, I recommend that one. Also, Jennifer Chow, who was your first guest, who was amazing uh-huh. and so, so fantastic. And I love her Sassy Cat series. And again, it also takes place in, in L.A. 
um, which I think that the settings, some of these urban settings are just kind of fun to read about. A little different for cozies too. And usually you're, you know, it's, it's outside of a small town. Yeah. Yeah. I am seeing a lot of urban, more urban settings in these millennial cozies, which has been fun. Mm -hmm. And I wish you could see like my list of recommendations that I have on my computer screen right now. Cause you basically just read it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, read it all. I do need to add headlines and high heels to my to read list. Um, the only other one that is on the top of my mind right now that I mm -hmm. would add is the Ancestry Detective series um, by S.C. Perkins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one's really fun too. It's about a, a genealogist, which I think people makes people think that it would be an older protagonist, mm -hmm. but it's actually a cast of very young characters. Uh, it's a very fun like rom-com, kind of like sitcom vibe to it, and it's set in Austin, Texas, so it's got that like younger kind of hip Austin vibe to it. Oh, awesome. And see, okay, this is like slightly embarrassing because I haven't read that book yet, but I, I have it on my Kindle ready to read. And I always, um, Essie is so fun. You can follow her on Instagram too. And she is always talking about like the tacos in her books. And I know that there's <laughs> some fun, like fun, youthful elements to it. I just, that's one I'm going to add to my, like bump up my list. <laughs> yeah absolutely read. those ones those ones are a lot of fun and definitely yeah. uh I was binge reading those last week and we for sure ordered tacos so. oh did you oh funny <laughs> yeah so it's definitely one of those ones that will make you hungry okay good good to know I like <laughs> yeah. knowing that going in because then I can prepare my menu yep. accordingly Be ready like, all right <laughs> <laughs> so the Colorado wine mysteries are set in Boulder Colorado mm -hmm. but in the newest book mold to death your characters go on a little trip to a local ski resort so was it fun to write about your characters in a different setting? It was a lot of fun. Yes. And one thing I enjoy about writing this series is highlighting those little gems in Colorado that the locals sort of know about, but then people who aren't familiar with them, maybe they get some new insight in, into our, you know, into our lovely state. <laughs> and, and skiing here is sort of, um, I mean, that's kind of one thing Colorado is known for. And so it was really great fun to write about a ski resort in the mountains and to take Parker and the characters, you know, this was my third book writing um, these characters and it was fun sort of taking them out of their, their comfort zone, both physically and emotionally and putting them somewhere different. And, you know, I think um, skiing in the mountains and snow added some cool mystery elements as well. You know, footprints mm -hmm. can be wiped away and sound you know travels differently things look differently your mind can play tricks on you when you're surrounded by by so much snow <laughs> and mm -hmm. so isolated and and it was really it was it was yeah it was cool to write about somewhere different with them yeah and yeah. it was so you mentioned like the winter adding a fun element to the mystery and I agree um because like as soon as I started that book and I read that you're going to like a, a ski resort in the mountains I was like, oh, please say that she incorporates an isolation trope in this book. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but you do. And it's my very favorite trope in like thrillers and mysteries. So I, I just think it adds something so fun when the characters are stuck somewhere and can't leave because of the weather. And that happens, you know, you do get stranded mm -hmm. at places. <laughs> and and uh, so on one hand, it was like, this is a very natural addition, but also it works really, really well for the story. And I got to just torture the characters more because, yeah, they 
they couldn't leave at one point. <laughs> yeah, we live so we live in Salt Lake City, uh, which is really near like Park City and all of those ski resorts. Um, so I was like, yes, all like all these mountain vibes feel very familiar to me. And now I want to go visit Boulder. So I didn't know that the places that you had in your book were like actual locations. So that's really cool. Some of them are. So I have to say the okay. resort that I the resort that I did, the name, it's completely fictional, but it is based on like this strange combination of a few of my favorite ski resorts all okay. mushed together. <laughs> but a few of the places, and I get this question sometimes, and I don't know that I have like the best answer, but um, I do try and fictionalize some places in Boulder while keeping some true and uh-huh. I think like if it's going to be woven into the story or you know maybe uh, if it's just like a snippet like a throwaway like oh they went to snarf sandwich shop which is my favorite sandwich shop and actually exists <laughs> yeah I'll include it but if right. they're going to be somewhere for a long period of time or like there was a murder that occurred at this resort I don't you know I wanted to fictionalize that just to keep it <laughs> oh you yeah know. you know Makes it more simple as uh, from like a trademarking and copyright and all of that standpoint. It's just much easier that way. Yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't want to throw shade anywhere where it doesn't need to be. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Not all companies want fictional murders set in their establishments, which is understandable. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah, it works great for the Stanley, but you know. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. (laughs) But not everyone's business. (laughs) Yeah. So in order to make sure readers feel, um, to use another millennial term, all of the feels, authors have to manipulate their emotions throughout the story. And one of the things that I think you do brilliantly in your books is make your readers suspect a character of murder one moment, and then you make us fall in love with them the next. So how do you go about building those layers of character development into your novels? You know, I whenever I go to create a new cast of characters or suspects, I try and remember that um, every character should have a little bit of an arc in the story. They should change in some way, even if it's a very minor character and very small. I like the idea that everybody sort of has their own little, their arc that they're going to be following. And even, you know, the, I've heard, heard it said like the villain or the antagonist should be the hero of their own story. Mm -hmm. And so I try and keep that in mind and just really spotlight well, who are they at the beginning? Why are they acting suspicious? What is it about these individuals that is making them behave that way? Is there something wrong that they're then going to try and correct? Is there something that they saw? Are they working through something themselves? And uh, then figuring out how that can come out and be teased out through the mystery, through the murder mystery. And so that's usually how I go into it. Um, And sometimes, you know, it takes writing a full draft, you know, like I just finished this draft of book four and I'm like, there are these characters that at the beginning, I didn't quite know who they are, who they were. And then at the end, it's like they come out so much more. And so I can go back in and really layer them up at the beginning and just keep Mm -hmm. doing that over and over again. That makes sense. Yeah, the it seems like, I mean, pacing is important in all stories, but in mystery specifically, um, especially in cozies, because you've got like the romantic subplot and the mystery itself mm-hmm. and all the minor characters and their subplots. And you have to just layer it so carefully. And then with the red herrings and, you know, oh, making absolutely. the readers feel one way and then another, like that just seems like such an intricate process. It is. And I think it's even sometimes 
more challenging in ways and cozies because they're traditionally a little bit shorter in mm-hmm. length. And so it's like you are packing a lot of punch into so many pages and you do have to make sure you're balancing it all out and not overwhelming the reader, you know, in one way. And uh, it is, it is a bit of a juggling act. It's a fun mm-hmm. one. It's a fun one though. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> I, I love story structure and I've studied like the Save the Cat book mm-hmm. quite a bit, but then when you look at cozies and you guys are writing series um, and it's like, I'm sure you can't just follow the same story structure with every single book. Otherwise your readers are going to kind of like catch on to who your red herrings are and who your murderer would be. So it seems like it would be extra challenging. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think it is in ways and like the, yeah, and trying to keep it fresh. I'm always trying to think of, okay, well, how's somebody going to be killed in this book, which is horrible? Mm-hmm. Or what, what clues are sprinkled in? Like I did a photograph in book one, so I don't want to do that again here. Can it be uh-huh. something different, you know? And, and, and yeah, the plot structure and making sure you don't tilt, you know, tip your hand. But I also think that's part of the fun. Like in book three, I went about it knowing that I wanted to highlight one of my favorite mystery tropes at the end, right? I wanted to, I really wanted to play into the the grand unveiling, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think sometimes it's kind of fun. It's a fun challenge to um, figure out how to keep things, you know, keep the reader on their toes in every single book in each installment. Yeah, kind of like a a really large puzzle that you're putting together. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So another thing I love about your books is the way you describe various things that Parker encounters by comparing them to wine. So is that a way of developing her voice as a character? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Absolutely. That's, that's how it started with the first book is you, I was really leaning into the hook or the niche of uh, winemaking and thinking that Parker would have that top of mind. It would just roll off her tongue, you know, mm-hmm. similar to how I use a lot of writing or book related things to explain things to my husband, you know, when we're talking uh-huh. things, oh, it's like this. And uh, so for Parker, it was definitely a way to develop her voice. I, it came in extremely handy in the third book because we never even visit Vino Valentine, her winery. And it ended up being a really handy tool to still have the winemaking and sharing those little bits of information in a natural way, sort of like through metaphors and imagery and just her, you know, the way she talks and thinks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then it just, it's just that, that, that fun, constant little reminder that we're reading a wine cozy. So Parker obviously has a very deep knowledge of wine. And we as readers do get to learn a lot about wine as we're reading, which is a lot of fun. Um, So did you know a lot about wine before you started to write this series? Or have you had to do a lot of research in the process? Uh, A little bit of both. So my husband and I sort of on a whim when we first started dating like a decade ago, we went wine tasting for Uh a weekend date in Boulder at a local winery, very similar to Vina Valentine because they're there. Um, and you know what we learn, we, we loved it. And so then we continue doing that over the years and we travel, we like to try and taste different wines. You know, we've been to Napa and France and Italy, and it's just kind of fun. Like everywhere Mm -hmm. you go just to to take note of the different flavors. Uh, but something really cool about, uh, wine tasting for anybody who's interested in trying it, the winery owners, if, especially if you go to places like, you know, or wherever you go. 
but they're always so welcoming and friendly and willing to answer all of these questions and to teach you. We were such newbies, right? We didn't know mm-hmm. what we were, we didn't know what we were doing. And um, people were just so friendly. And so we learned a lot along the way, although I had no idea that years later it would be the foundation of my research for these books, which is right. kind of fun. It's <laughs> kind of fun. Um, but at the same time, I've learned so much uh, about the chemistry of winemaking through reading these or through writing these books, um, like fermentation. You know, the second book takes place in the harvest. And it was really important to me to show, show all of the science behind the scenes and that meant kind of learning <laughs> a lot of it. And so I did very arduous research. You know, I went back to a local winery during harvest and I got to peek in the back at the, the tub of fermenting. I think it was Pinot grapes. And um, and that was a lot of fun. That's to, so to neat. That. Yeah, it was. And I think it added to the story because, you know, I walked in the winery and the first thing I noticed was the aroma. It was like I was walking into grape jam, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, like, yeah, the whole place is just permeated with this delicious scent. And so um, had to include that, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I feel like as a reader, you can oftentimes tell how familiar an author is um, with the subject that they're writing about just based off of the descriptions um, that they're using alone, uh, just like the depth of the descriptions. And so you can definitely tell as you're reading these books that you do know your wine. And so it's a lot of fun to read. Oh, thank you. Well, good. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a way for me to vicariously try winemaking, which mm-hmm. we, my husband and I, we talked about, we're like, oh, should we try it someday? And, you know, it's a lot of work. So I yes. very much admire these, these vintners out there. And this is sort of a way for me to vicariously to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it is astounding the amount of work that goes into it. We went to a wine tasting once. Um, my dad's family immigrated to the U.S. from Northern Italy. And so we went back there a few years ago and did a wine tasting in Tuscany. And it was just so fascinating to hear like the entire process of the harvest and the fermentation and getting to see like the oak barrels and just everything that they they do is so fascinating. Oh, and that sounds like an amazing trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds incredible. Um, yeah. Yep. It was, it was amazing. So, and now like our thing, whenever we travel is we want to go see what kind of wineries they have. And cause mm-hmm. it, it's a really neat way to get some local flavor um, and local history when you're traveling. Oh, totally. Man, I would love to visit that vineyard and like, so in Italy, um, I thought it was so cool how the wines tasted like olives. That's always something mm-hmm. I noticed. Like they have that brininess, you know, and it's uh-huh. like when you start paying attention, you said everywhere you go, it has somewhere, something kind of unique and different. And like, yeah, it's a cool way to get to know. Um, yeah, I get to know a new place. Yeah, I agree. So you have such a delightful cast of characters in this series. And Parker's bestie Sage is just one of my favorites. I love that she's a self-confessed nerd and she's part of so many fandoms. So are you yourself a fan of any of the same shows or books that Sage is? Oh, totally. <laughs> I, Sage is uh, very much a way for me to sneak in some of these nerdy <laughs> fandom <laughs> things that I also like. You know, I think uh, Star Wars for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Battlestar Galactica and, you know, Lord of the Rings uh-huh. and all of these things. Yeah. 
I'm not as um, diehard into Marvel as she is, although I like the Mar- you know some of the Marvel Marvel movies. But I imagine she would just be like at Comic Con, dressed up as Wonder Woman, like ready to go. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I would yeah, love to go to Comic Con with Sage. That would be so much fun. Oh totally, I would have her dress me too. We she could do both of our outfits, and uh-huh. we would like. <laughs> and yeah, and she can do yours too. And then uh, yeah. Um, but she uh, is such a fun character to oh she yeah. is yeah <laughs> I just want to hang out with her and nerd out over over Star Wars or you know comic books and Marvel and she's just so much fun to read about and then again she definitely uh, kind of reminds us that we're reading about millennial age characters. So, so far in the series, we've been introduced to at least one new frisky feline character in each of your novels. So, are you a cat lover? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm such a cat nerd. I am. <laughs> I have I have one cat Maple named Maple and she's just a sweetheart and I'm just I love cats. They're, mm-hmm. They have so much personality and like everything is on their terms, which uh-huh. I kind of like. You know, every cat like they have to come up to you. You can't be the one to try and pick them up. I mean, some cats maybe, but I just love the the more persnickety like I don't know. They're just so fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there is a different, and I didn't even know I had done this until the third book, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I've inadvertently added a new cat. I feel like (laughs) Parker, and I need to be clear, although I would love Parker to adopt more cats. It's like first book, it's Zinn is her cat short for Zinfandel. And then the second book we get to meet William Wallace named after the Braveheart, like her boyfriend's Uh cat, you know, and then the third book, the um, very mischievous Madeline. They're just so much fun to write all these different kitties. <laughs> so, yeah, They are fun. They make perfect cozy mystery characters because cats all just have like such distinct personalities. Uh, it's, uh, they're just, they're fun for cozies. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister and brother have probably the grumpiest house cat I've ever met in my life. Like, I love her for that. Like, I think it makes her, like, such a funny, fun character. And I'm always just like, you need to be in a cozy mystery <laughs> one of these days. Oh, totally. I mean, that's why, like, the world went bonkers for a grumpy cat, right? Like, uh-huh. cats can be grouchy and they can still be cute and lovable. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I love the grumpy cats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Parker's relationship with her brother Liam is another element that I love in the series, It's been a lot of fun to watch Liam grow as a character, and his journey of self-discovery really does feel relatable to readers of all ages, um, and especially, again, with millennials. So are we going to get to see more of Liam's journey in future novels? Definitely. So um, he is definitely in book four, and it is kind of fun. So Liam, he has such a soft spot in my heart. He's just in book one, he's sort of this hot mess, this hobby hopper, trying to figure out what his passion is. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I really admire him for that, <laughs> you know, and he is a slacker in some senses, but then also he's just the brother that's always there for Parker. And he's very reliable and very loyal, you know, and it's kind of fun to watch him grow and to find his, really get in the groove of his passion photography. And I do mm-hmm. think that is something very millennial is we all are you know, trying to find our passions and find a way to, to hustle and to make it happen. And that is very right. much, much Liam. Um, and he does come up in book four, you know, at the end of book three, I sort of have this really fun teaser with a, he might get to photograph a, a rock star mm-hmm. and, um, and that comes up in book four and that's been 
yeah, without giving too much away, I'll just say I'm excited. It's it's fun to write. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I loved Liam's story in book three. So I'm very excited to see what happens for him in book four. Good, good. good. Yeah. Yeah. So the romantic subplot in your series is one of my favorites that I've encountered in the cozy mystery genre. Uh, you just have the ultimate book boyfriend, and there are so many swoony moments between him and Parker. So what are your favorite scenes to write? Is it the romantic scenes, or is it the scenes where Parker is uncovering clues to solve the mystery? I mean, both are really fun to write in their own ways, but I have to say, I do love a good kiss scene. I don't <laughs> know why. I, I, um, I really enjoy writing some of the romance scenes between Parker and Reed. And I enjoy also, it doesn't always have to be a kiss scene either, because I know one of the things in Cozies that's a challenge with including romance is you never want to get too over the, like too, too hot and heavy, too, right. um, doing that. And so it's like a fun balancing act where it's keeping it sweet and romantic and, and sometimes showing their like over the top dates, you know, like in mm -hmm. book two, it was fun writing a slow dance scene while they're stomping grapes. <laughs> Which, yeah. Um, and then in book three, you know, Reed takes her on this amazing sort of Valentine's date, you know, on a horse-drawn carriage ride and snow night tubing. And he sort of sweeps her off her feet. And I love writing some of that and even just brainstorming some of those ways. And then for Parker, too, she reciprocates and writing just their relationship. Um, and then, yeah, the kiss scenes are always a lot of fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they're so much fun. And I love that you how you brought up uh, the way that you have to write romantic scenes and cozies because it is mm -hmm. different. Um, but it, I think it kind of adds a different depth to them and that you're focusing more on like the romantic feelings and some of like the courtship uh, to use a very non-millennial term um, mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of just like the physical romance that we see in a lot of like more uh, classic romance novels. So that's really fun. Totally. Yeah. He's wooing her. They're wooing mm -hmm. each other. Another yeah. old school term. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So let's do a quick round of lightning questions so readers mm -hmm. can get to know you, Kate Lansing, a little bit better. Okay. And you'll just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. So coffee or tea? Coffee. And the book you're reading right now? Death by Bubble Tea by Jennifer Chow. I got into oh, like, I'm I jealous. <laughs> it's, a, it's a perk sometimes. Of yes. Being an author. I got, I got an early copy. So. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Everybody's going to love it. I can't wait. All right. So what's one of your favorite movies of all time? Oh my gosh. This is such a hard, okay. Um, the Departed which is so yes. dark and not cozy at all, but it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's either that or else something like that sways on the opposite end of the scale, like pitch perfect. So may, I guess that's why I write cozies is it's like a right in the, like an right intersection. In the <laughs> yep. I love both of those movies. I totally agree. All right. Favorite season. Uh, fall right now. Yes. Same <laughs> favorite genre to read mysteries but I uh, I read a, a wide variety but I have to say the one I read the most is mysteries all subgenres from cozies to traditional to YA um, mm -hmm. just everything and your favorite food avocados 
Oh, that's an excellent answer. <laughs> and that's such the a most millennial answer I've heard. <laughs> I know. I know. It seems like it's um, so true in any vessel. And that is such a millennial thing. Like avocado toast is, oh my gosh, it's delicious. But I will eat avocado however it's served to me. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Okay. Author you'd most like to meet. Um. Okay, is is it cheating to say Ina Garten? Because I would love to meet her and be invited over to dinner. And she has written cookbooks. Um, no, not at all. That's, but, that's a great answer. Okay, and I will say Louise Penny as well. Oh yes, she's her Three Pines is, is series. The Inspector Gamache. Uh huh. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. And what location would you most like to visit? Uh, I mean, anywhere, like everywhere. <laughs> but um, if I had to choose, it would probably be the beach um, or Disney World because my daughter really wants to go and I want to see that magic in her eyes. So that's oh, where yeah. I want to go. If well, I could fingers, go yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, things calm down and it'll be easier to travel soon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So before we wrap up, uh, can you tell our listeners what you're working on now and also where they can, can, can connect with you online? Yeah. So I'm working on the book four of the Colorado Wine Mystery Series, Till Death Do Us Port. Um, and you can connect with me online on Instagram, Twitter. I think I'm at Lansing KM uh, on Twitter and that's at KM Lansing on Instagram. And then I'm also on Facebook as well. I have a Facebook page there and website. I'm online. You can find me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, wonderful, Kate. It's been such a pleasure to have you. And I'm so looking forward to Tell Death Do Us Port um, and reading more of your books in the future. And I'm sure our listeners are as well. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, of course. Thank you so much, Christy. And this was a blast. Oh, it was so it. much fun. It was great. Great. Well, hopefully we can have you on again one day soon, um, maybe around the time that Till Death Do Us Port comes out. That would be really fun. Oh, absolutely. I would love to. Yeah. This so fun. All right. Well, listeners, stay tuned because I'll be right back with some upcoming cozy book recommendations that you can't miss. All right. And that's everything. Awesome. Yeah. So that was so much fun. And I'm so excited for your new book. Oh, thank you. And thank you for doing this again. Your questions were so awesome and you are just so great. So I, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, good. I, I used to do uh, author interviews for our local indie bookstore before the pandemic. So this is like definitely filling that void <laughs> for awesome. me uh, while we can't do in-person events. So yeah, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to participate. Oh, of course. And I just think it's so cool you're doing this. And um, I'm glad you're, you've joined the cozy world and it's been, been so fun. And I've loved seeing all your beautiful fall pictures on Instagram too. Oh, I just have to tell you. <laughs> I, yeah, we're, uh, we're pumpkin growers, <laughs> amateur pumpkin growers uh, mm -hmm. from like May through October. So my house is full of pumpkins. So I'm like, well, I've got to use these for something. So I guess they're Instagram products <laughs> Well, it's yeah. so funny. We grow pumpkins, but ours didn't oh, look nice. anywhere as nice as yours did. Ours like get lopsided or like... <laughs> Oh no, I have I have plenty of lopsided ones. The ones in Instagram are the few that, that look normal. Uh, <laughs> so, how did yeah. she have all these picture perfect pumpkins? Mine are all wonky. <laughs> like... Yeah, no, we have plenty of wonky ones. I think you can like you're supposed to turn them 
as they mm. grow so they don't get lopsided. But mm. I get too nervous that I'm going to break them off the vine. So I just let them grow lopsided. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Maybe next year I'll try turning them. But I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to upset the. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they're, they're doing their thing. <laughs> I know. It, it's a, a special kind of anxiety when you're <laughs> growing anything but those pumpkins. Because yeah. like, oh, they die so easily. And it's. Oh, they do. Whoop. Are you still there? So anyway, well, thank you so much again for chatting. This was so much fun. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And yeah, you, know. you too. Happy Veterans Day to you. Yes, yes, you also. And I'll be sure to watch for the podcast and boost, you know, however I can. Thank um, you. Yeah, so. it'll be out next Wednesday. So awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we'll chat more soon then. Sounds good. All right. Hey. See you, Christy. See yep. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. At Get Cozy Podcast, we're going to be ending each episode with recommendations for some upcoming cozy mystery releases that you simply can't miss. So without further ado, here are a couple of cozies to add to your to-read list. All right, cozy friends, I have a couple of recommendations for you this week that I think you're going to love. The first one is Murder at the Lobster Shack by Maddie Day. And what I love about that title is that it really is Lobsta, L-O-B-S-T-A-H. Such a cute title and the premise sounds equally amazing. So in this book, Mac Almeida and her fellow book club sleuths set out to net a killer after murder turns out to be the special of the day at her friend's seafood restaurant. This book is full of secrets, delicious food descriptions, and I just adore the book club. It's called uh, the Cozy Capers Book Group, so clearly this is a must-read for all us fellow book sleuthers, and it comes out November 30th from Kensington. Another major book release in November is Killer Research by Jen McKinley. This is book 12 in the Library Lovers Mysteries, and in this installment, things are heating up in Briar Creek. An upcoming mayoral election has the town in an uproar, especially after one of the candidates and the town librarian, Ms. Cole, finds a dead body in the trunk of her car, a body that just so happens to belong to her ex-boyfriend. It's up to our amateur sleuth, Lindsay, to try to crack the case before Ms. Cole is framed for murder. This one actually came out November 2nd from Berkeley, so you can go ahead and pick up your copy today. That's all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Also follow me at Cozy Christy. That's Cozy, K-R-Y-S-T-I, to see which cozies I'm reading and recommending. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy.